If you would, take your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And so as you're turning there, just a, a bit of a program note as it were. So last Sunday, we turned to Titus chapter 1, Paul's first instruction to Titus. And the focus of that instruction in really the rest of Titus chapter 1 is on the qualifications and expectations for elders. And so we started out in that text. We're going to ask and answer four questions. Last week we got to the first question, what is an elder? So we took time and we explained the word elder, the word pastor, the word bishop, which is also sometimes translated as overseer. These are all the same terms. They're all the same uh, words uh, in terms of synonyms. They're talking about the same position. All right, so that was last week. Now, so this week we would have, I mean, the, the next then question is, well, how many elders should there be? You're just going to have to wait till next Sunday to hear the, the answer, all right? Uh, because rather than jump ahead uh, to that or, or really kind of truncate that and shorten it and then try and squeeze the Lord's Supper into it, uh, we'll be putting that off until next week uh, and taking a look then at that. However, at the same time, we, we do believe that the issue that we are considering this morning, the Lord's Supper, is of critical importance when talking about church leadership. I doubt there's ever been a pastor's job description throughout all of church history that has not included as a part of it administrating in some way whatever term, whatever denomination or group would use, the Lord's Supper. This is an important element of what we do as pastors. So if you would, take take then your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. I'm going to read verses 23 through 26, though our thoughts will draw from the passage right before and even the passage after. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. There are a number of expressions that would refer to fences. For example, if there was someone that you were pushing to make a decision and they weren't making a decision, you might implore them to what? Get off the fence. Well, said person may retort that they've not had enough time to think about it, and so they are still on the fence. There's another phrase that speaks to the challenges of relationships, perhaps, that says, 
good fences make good neighbors, all right? And then we have another phrase, probably reserved more often than not for politicians who want to ingratiate themselves to various groups. We might say they are playing both sides of the fence. All right, so we're familiar with these terms. There's another term, though, phrase that pastors use, and and maybe there are church folks who've heard it before, but maybe some of you have not. It's the title of the message this morning. It's the phrase, fencing the table. And it is a phrase that is used to describe discussions, and again, it's often reserved for pastors, those who you are thinking about these kinds of things. It is a phrase that describes the degree to which a pastor preparing a congregation for taking the elements of the Lord's Supper will limit who they think should be taking the elements. We call that fencing the table. Because what do fences do? They do two things at the same time. They keep out and they keep in, right? They, 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 they keep out those who perhaps do not belong and they maintain protective cover and care for that which should be inside the fence. Now, when, when pastors talk about fencing the table, there could be any number of ways they would do that. There, there are two extremes, like with everything. There is what would be called open communion, which would mean some pastors don't fence the table at all. I mean, if there's a fence, the gate is wide open, all right? They're not going to say anything before taking the elements that would discourage anyone in the pew from taking of the bread and taking of the cup. Then there may be those on who go then to the other extreme who would practice closed communion to such a degree that maybe in a context like this, what they would do when we were done with all of our services and even the preaching before we take the elements, I would then dismiss everyone who's not an actual on-the-books member of the church and even then may call by name people that I feel have violated whatever biblical standard or expectation and forbid them from the table. There are some traditions that before taking the Lord's Supper will read out a list of names of people who are forbidden. So, here we go, all right? I think you all think. It is an important discussion. Unfortunately, you know, in modern evangelicalism today, the, the, the thoughts on the Lord's Supper often turn far more pragmatic. This was illustrated in its greatest degree during COVID as online services were offering online communion and people were encouraged to go find Pop-Tarts and orange juice and come back and take the Lord's Supper. It's unfortunate because historically this has always been a big deal. In fact, historically, especially going back to the reformers, say Luther and Calvin and Zwingli, these guys who were trying to then rescue the church from Catholicism, argued that how you take the Lord's Supper is a sign of whether or not you're even a true church. 
that it's one of the most important things that a church does. How it's done will tell folks whether or not you follow biblical priorities. And in fact, your membership in said church was dependent on your regularity at the Lord's table. We, we, we have minutes from Baptist business meetings. We have accounts, say, pre-1900s, pre-modern church era, where people were removed from membership because they missed too many Lord's suppers in a row. It was a big deal. Not only was it an indicator of you being a part of a true church, it was an indicator of you being a part of Christ himself. And so we do, we do well and we do right to carefully consider what, do, what would the Bible say about these things? How should we fence the table? I think 1 Corinthians chapter 11 gives us some helpful instruction. In your bulletin, there are no, like, it's all blank, all right? So it's, if you love filling in blanks, this is the ultimate, all right? So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and it'll, it'll be up on the screen if you want to fill it in. So in, in, in this instruction, we're directed on, on how to take the Lord's Supper. He tells the church in Corinth um, important elements of how to administer the Lord's Supper. Interesting little tidbit here. 1 Corinthians 11 is probably the first recorded uh, place for the Lord's Supper because 1 Corinthians predates the Gospels in terms of writing. So the first time instruction on the Lord's Supper was written down was probably this in in terms of what we have in the Bible. So, so, So Paul does give us clear instruction, and he gives instruction to a church that was as dysfunctional as you could imagine on the topic. I think I've shared this before, why churches today call themselves, and there's a lot of them, Corinth Baptist Church. I don't know, because if there's a lot of other options, all right? But man, if you want to go by a name, I'd pick out something else in the Bible. Uh, because Corinth, go back and read. Read these two letters and you'll see. Um, in fact, Paul doesn't even call these the harsh letters. Uh, and so he wrote more than one to this church, and that they, they had some difficulty. But, but in doing so, I think, does give us important instruction, implications here for how we fence the table. We honor the Lord's table when we fence it, when we recognize there are limitations. It's not open to just anyone and everyone who wants to take some bread and drink some juice. Now, I think we are expecting, I think part of my role as a pastor is to help protect, to whatever degree possible, the table. So how would we do this? Well, we fence the table. There's going to be three responses here. We'll deal with them fairly simply. You've heard much of this material at one point or another before, uh, just maybe not in this particular context. We fence the table by our faith in Christ. We fence the table by our faith in Christ. Now, this may... This may seem like a no-brainer to this group, but we would contend that only confessed believers in Christ should take of the elements. Only those who have confessed Christ 
crucified and resurrected. Only those who have placed their faith in Him to use whatever language may be most helpful. Those who are saved, those who have been born again, those who are redeemed. All these biblical words that describe those who have been saved. We would contend that the table is reserved for them. So, Pastor, what would be the argument for that? Well, just the passage we just read. I don't know any other implication you would draw... So, so, you know, we're, we're familiar with these elements. We have the body and we have the, the blood, meaning so we have the bread, which points to the body of Christ. We have the cup, which points to the blood of Christ. So the Lord's table is specifically focused on his crucifixion, a crucifixion that happened in our place. I mean, this moment matters because we are remembering one whose body was broken and whose blood was shed to the point of death so that we might escape the wrath of God. And 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 you'll note, note how it says it twice. Verse 24, when he gave thanks, he broke it and he said with the bread, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then this is repeated again in verse 25. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, to me, that phrase is the kicker, in remembrance of me. That doesn't just mean to mentally recall some historical anecdote. To remember is to ponder upon, to reflect upon, to to give credit to. It is is to take time to to, to recognize the depth and the profundity of the moment, to take an opportunity to consider that, that no matter who I am or where I've come from, I am saved only because God has saved me in Christ. I'm right with God only because Jesus bore in His body God's wrath against my sin. And so we would say we take these elements because we are a saved people. To take of the elements is fundamentally to testify you are who you are because of what God has done for you in Christ. Much of what you heard the choir sing, of even the song, the thank you, I, 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 I'm no longer his enemy. I've been seated at his table. So, so those who can gather around the Lord's table, we, we would say, are those who have confessed faith in Christ. Now, I'll tell you where this probably can become an issue at least in this context, maybe, and, and that may be parents with their children. We, we would discourage parents from allowing children that have not yet confessed faith in Christ. We would discourage them from taking of the elements. I remember as a child. I remember the plate being passed by. And I thought that was awfully rude. <laughs> thought we were supposed to share, right? Now what we're supposed to do. Now, come to find out, that was a critical instructional moment, which, if I got too rowdy about it, included my father turning his ring around on his finger and popping me in the back of the head, all right? So I know what some of you think, does, is that, yes, it's true. Yes, that happened. I think I got a permanent spot back here, all right? Yes, that happened. My father believed in parenting all over the place, all right, including in the pew, all right? He did, he did, so... So it it is an important moment, and parents, I think you'd find this to be a critically instructional one. And let me say, if there are parents here that that would describe your circumstances, 
Feel free in the midst of passing of the elements to instruct your child. We would welcome it. Say, what if people hear me? So what? We don't care. Now, if somebody next to you does, that's their problem, and I give you permission to go ahead and offend them, all right? Because that's part of what we think is really important, that you would take time then. Of course, maybe you'd reserve it for the ride home or for lunch. Great. That's just one example, though. We would limit this. So what we're asking in just a moment is we take of these elements, and they are passed. We are asking that only confessing believers in Christ would take of these elements. All right, number two, we fence the table by our fellowship with others. By our, fellow, our fellowship with others is an element of who gets to take of the elements. Now, this has a couple of different connotations. One we've talked about before, and that is the importance of taking it together, taking it with other believers in Christ. Well, one of the reasons why I think it's such an important element that we pass the plate not that that's the way you have to do it every time, but, but that here's what we're doing. We are, we are handing out in whatever form all of the elements, including the deacons who are serving it to you, including the, the, the whoever, whether chair or vice chairman of deacons who's helping me do it, and including myself. No one gets to eat the bread first or drink the cup first. No one who is a believer is left out. We get it all passed. That means as you pass that plate, you know what you were saying? That I deserved God's wrath and judgment just as much as the person next to me, and that I don't have any more Jesus than they do, and that I don't have any less Jesus than they do. And it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much power you have. It doesn't matter how much education you have. It doesn't even matter if you bear the title of pastor, elder, bishop, overseer, slash, slash, slash. All right? We all need the same Jesus, the same salvation. Part of this this fences the table. That the part, part of how we are taking this is we are taking it together. And so that means not only that, but that we should be mindful then of our fellowship with one another. In fact, if you read Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and it talks about the early church, that they gave themselves to the apostles' teaching and prayer and to fellowship and the breaking of bread. Do you know that the breaking of bread, first and foremost, referred to them fellowshipping in taking the elements of the Lord's Supper together? It wasn't just getting together for a meal, though they did that. It was taking the bread and it was drinking of the cup. It was an act of fellowship. It was an act of unity. It was an act of love with one another, love among one another, brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, Paul is going to take this church to task. Notice what he says. Go back up to verse 20. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. Now, if you go to back and read the rest of that, here's what's going on in Corinth. They'd gather together for a meal, a regular meal, potluck. They'd bring their own food, and they were to share it with others. After they ate that meal, they would then take the elements of the Lord's Supper together. And what he's saying is, you bring your food and you're hoarding it. Those who are of means are sitting with other people of means. Those who are significant, 
than are lording it over those who are not so that the poor sit by and have to wait on you to finish before they get the scraps and the leftovers. And, and then he says, and some of you are getting drunk before you take the Lord's Supper. You dishonor the Lord. You dishonor His body. You dishonor believers when you do this. Part of what then fences the table is our fellowship with one another. Making sure we are in fellowship with one another. And I would add to this, then that that we are fencing the table by saying, and this is what I say, not only do I want you to be a believer in Jesus Christ, but I want you to be in good standing with His church. Being in fellowship with God's people. I think it's an important part of what it means to take the Lord's Supper together. It's an important part of fencing the table. And you say, Pastor, how does that work itself out? Well, if there are those here this morning who are visiting with us, know that I welcome you at the table. If, in fact, you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and you, there could be one or two ways in which you are, you are visiting, right? If you're a visitor, that, that you've come, and maybe for the first time you have visited with us, but you are looking for a church. You're committed to the fellowship of God's people and otherwise are in good standing with this church. We would invite you to participate with us. If, if, if you're here because you're visiting somebody else who's a member of this church, but you're here on vacation or whatever the case may be, we would invite you to also fellowship with us around the Lord's table. All right, Pastor, well, who would you turn away? Well... As an example, it would be the person who comes, who maybe comes two or three times a year and just happens to show up on the Lord's Supper day. I would suggest that individual is not in good standing with his church. That's what I would say. I would discourage the taking of the Lord's Supper unless, unless, and this will get to the third one here in just a minute, unless said individual is coming in a spirit of confession and repentance, that they have failed then to, to, to keep the gathering of God's people. They, they have, they've been neglecting the gathering of God's people on the Lord's day, and they're coming in confession and repentance to be made right. But otherwise, if somebody's just coming because they heard the Lord's Supper was being served and they think that gets them a, l- a little extra grace to get through the pearly gates, which, by the way, is not a thing, and we're talking about that on Sunday nights, all right? Uh, not in terms of how you get into heaven, If that's it, then I would discourage it. In other words, the table is limited by those who are in fellowship with God's people. Number three, then I think we also fence the table by our fidelity to Scripture. Our fidelity to Scripture. I would say this could be in a number of ways, but specifically I'm making a positive statement that's really dealing with a negative idea, that part of then what we also do in taking of the elements together is to come with a commitment to live faithfully and obediently, and if we've not done that, that we then come in a spirit of confession. This is why the service has been leading up to this. Pastor John led us in, in, a, in a reading that was a prayer of confession, because that's a part of this. In just a moment, before we take the elements, I will give you time to silently pray And Paul says this in verse 27, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. He goes on to warn about doing this in an unworthy manner. That part of the taking of these elements together is doing so in our commitment to Christ, 
fidelity to God and His Word, living obediently to Him. So I would contend another way in which this is fenced is is to those who are committed to living faithfully before the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let, let me also add, I understand in some of these things. So for example, being involved with God's people, I understand that there would be shut-ins and we make provision for that. I understand there'd be people with illnesses and we would make provision for that. I understand those things. But even bringing those up, that's, as they say, the proverbial exception that proves the rule. The fact that we would even think about that shows that we think in general this should be done differently. It should be done with, with depth and reverence and significance. And then, again, part of that is being faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that, that we, we're showing fidelity to His Word, to His commands, and that as we gather, that part of that, you know, part, one of the ways in which we are faithful to God's commands is we're repentant, right? We're quick to confess when we recognize the ways in which we've indulged the flesh. And so these are some of the ways in which we fence the table. And, and then let me then add uh, that, that this, this is a table then that is one of profound importance for us as God's people. It is a table of grace. It is a table of love. It is a table of mercy. It is a table of hope. It is a table representing the promises of God. And so as we take, let us also be grateful. It is a sober moment, but it's also a moment full of gratitude. It reminds us that we should never go too long without thinking about our need for our Savior. We're not getting saved again. There's no grace being extended here that saves us again. However, I would contend, I do think there is a special sense in which our Savior is present with us as we take of these elements. So let us do so rightly, faithfully. And so, as we prepare to transition to taking of the elements together, I'm going to have a time just of silent prayer, just be a few moments, and then then I will pray for us. Uh, And after I pray, I, I will invite the deacons to make their way forward. And I would invite all who are believers in Jesus Christ and in good standing with this church to fellowship with us around the Lord's table. Let's pray.